Church, Volume 1, and we're on Chapter 93, Usury. Uh, before we actually pray and get started, I'm going to share the live feed as soon as it comes up. And um, then we're going to get started. So I'm just waiting for that to come on live. There we go. So I'm going to share it. And if you want to share it, now's the time to do that. All righty. Okay. Um, let's see who we got on. Oh, the carols came on. Okay. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask uh, Lee to pray us out at the end. Um, but uh, let me get to the right book, chapter, and page. Okay. We are studying from uh, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1. And we are studying chapter 93 on usury. And let me get to it myself. Okay. All right. Uh, let's pray. Dear kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for bringing us safely through another week. And uh, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to be with us and attend us as we study and help us to glean principles of truth from uh, this message today and this chapter today, Lord. And may we uh, activate those principles in our lives, Lord, as we go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for everyone that's joined today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, okay, well, let's get started. Usury. Um, who knows what usury is? Can anybody tell me what usury is? No, no takers? Usury is interest. Interest that you charge on, on the loan. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Um, anybody ever had a uh, payday loan? Okay. Yes. Yes. And do they do you think that the interest that they charge is right? Is no, 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 no. It's very long and too much. Now it's 128%. What? Yes. I had and, and you know what's interesting about that is that it's usually people who can't afford it in the first place. That's why they go and get a loan. Yes. Um, I, I had a situation with a lady and she had interest of 400%. Hmm. So she ended up owing way, 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 way more money than she borrowed. I think that's probably the average 400%. And hmm. typically they put them in poor neighborhoods and around army bases because hmm. they know poor folks are struggling paycheck to paycheck. And soldiers tend to do the same thing. Mm. Mm. Missouri is one of the worst states. Yeah, I, I, I've seen some really high interest rate on those kind of payday loans in Missouri. Really high. It's almost like, you know, you, you can't hardly dig your way out of it. That's the whole plan. And yeah. another thing, too, they don't consider it a payday loan, but those rent-to-own places, Oh yeah, those things are just ripoffs. That's uh -huh. just like a payday loan. Uh huh. Because you pay by the time you do your little weekly payments for just say a washing machine, which mm -hmm. if you go to the store, washing machines four hundred dollars new, four fifty maybe. By the time you pay for it, it's twelve hundred dollars. Mm hmm. Right. Right. I had a situation like that too with someone that bought a refrigerator, and they were like, "Well, we've been to, we've we we've paid this off." It's like, no, not according to this interest rate. You haven't paid it off yet. Um, all right, well, um, let's deal with this chapter, usury. And um, she's talking in this chapter. She says um, she was a view given her in Rochester, New York in December of 1885. And she was shown that the subject of taking usury should be considered by Sabbath keepers. And she says, I mean, very plainly and very clearly she says wealthy men have no right to take interest from their poor brethren but they may receive usury from unbelievers huh okay you know plainer than that huh 
She mm-hmm. said, and if, if thy brethren be waxen poor and fallen in decay with thee, then thou shalt relieve him. That take thou no usury of him or increase, but fear thy God, that thy brother may live with thee. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals for increase. Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother, usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. On, unto a stranger, though, she says, thou mayest lend upon usury, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand to in the land whither thou goest to possess it. So what, what is she actually saying in that? Uh, she's saying give, give to your brothers and sisters. Don't loan, just give. No. And the Lord will bless you. No. No, she's not saying don't loan. She's saying don't charge usury if you loan. Oh, the interest. Okay, got it. Yeah, and she's saying you can charge it of unbelievers, but don't put this extra burden on your um, on church members. Hmm. Now, Alvina raised a very interesting thing, though. She said you should just give to your poor brethren instead of lending to them, because that's a different that's a different concept than lend it to them. Just don't take usury. They just have to pay you back the exact amount you loan to them. What do you all think about that? Well, that's what I thought she was saying. I thought I heard that. Just give, don't expect to be paid back. Just give. No, I'm saying that. that's two different. That's two different concepts. But what do you think about the two different concepts? If you have it to give, or well, you have extra, give. I thought it was something you have extra give. That's in the mm. Bible somewhere. <laughs> uh, it is because I read it. Okay. Okay. Is it better to give than to receive? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what would be wrong with instead of lending and not taking usury back from your brethren, what would be wrong with just giving it to them and not expecting anything back? There's nothing wrong with that. Hmm. Is that better than lending it to them? I think that's Ooh. like what Kata was saying. <clears throat> if you're not if you're not giving a per- if you give a person money with interest, that's lending. If you give a person money without interest, you just gave it to them. No, I wasn't no. saying no. I that's saying different. That if you loan a person, from my understanding, that when we lend money to our brethren, and I mean lend, that means you expect to get it paid back. Then when you lend that money, don't add usury. But yeah, if there's a person outside the church, you can add interest to that person, but not to the brother in church. Now, then Avina said, well, you know, are we just supposed to give it to them? And I was like, that's not what I thought I read. And I thought it says that if you lend it to them, don't charge user. Right, right. And you're, you're correct. You're correct in it in the topic of this chapter, but I was just saying that Alvina raised a, a, a different point of why not just give it to them? If because you know what? They may need a short-term amount of money, let's say three days to their checks and the baby needs some milk, but you need that money for your own rent too. You know, you have time, you got the time, but you need your money back. So then they said, yes, you know, I'll give you the $15 for the baby's milk, but I need this money back because it's part of my uh, rent or whatever. And so then the person has to give it back or should give it back in a timely manner. Okay. So there may be situations where we need the money back. There may be situations where we can afford to just give it and not even require it back. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, even if you can require it back, even if you don't need it, but you want it back. Sometimes I think, well, okay, even if you don't need it and you really don't want it back, sometimes I think it might be good to request your money back, especially if a person has become um, consistent in asking for money. Mm -hmm. So you want to discourage them from leaning on your paycheck and making your Mm -hmm. paycheck an extension of their financial, you know, uh, or their financial, or their livelihood, or the way they live, their lifestyle. 
Hmm. And sometimes right. uh, you can give somebody some money and they say you're paid back. And they paid me back attempting. I say, oh, you keep it. Mm. Okay. I don't think it's necessarily limited to church members. You know, I think your real family, you could lend to them w- without user out also. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's your <laughs> choice. So that was my next question. Who is our brethren? Who is it that we should not expect usury from and who is it that we can charge usury to who is our brethren i think if it's your money you can choose who you do usury to the lord saying not church members i think it extends to your immediate family to just lend or give money to but you could also lend money to just your friends and not charge interest so i think some of it depends on you and your relationship Hmm. So our brethren would be our circle of people, is what you're saying. Or would include our circle of people. I don't know. I don't know if that's what I'm saying, but I think your family should be included in that, not lending with interest. Okay. Anybody else have an opinion about that? But I don't think interest is necessarily... um, sinful or evil because the Lord requires interest from our talents and what he blesses us with. And we also had those parables about the, the people who hid their talents and the Lord said he wanted interest with that. And you're allowed to make a living in this world. So I don't think it's necessarily wrong to charge interest, but it shouldn't be exorbitant. Like we're talking about payday loans, you know, that's just out of the box. Hmm. But, you know, I find out that sometimes when you, you know, you tell a person, I'm going to loan you this money. And I've gotten to the point that I will never ask the person or remind them, you know, you owe me some money. Why you haven't paid me? I just get to the point. I'm like Alvina. I just say in my mind, well, Lord, when I lent it to them and I told them it was a loan, even if they didn't give it back. So, Lord, I, you know, I just pray that, you know, they used it in the right manner and, you know, and. And so I just don't require it back. But there comes a time, and I'm going to be honest, I'm human too. If you come to me and I know several times you haven't paid me, the next time you come to me, I I, I might be dishonest and say I don't have it. <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to call it dishonest. It's true. I don't have it to give to you because mm-hmm. you're not going to pay me back. So, no, I don't have any money to loan. I don't lend money in period. I don't lend anybody any money because I want my money back. If you, if I give you something and you say you're going to give it back, I expect to get my money back. So I don't want to deal with all the resentment, angry, anger, aggravation, mm-hmm. irritation, frustration, and finally kicking you out of my circle of friends because you refuse to pay back money. So I don't lend money to people. I just don't do it because it's not worth all of the heartache you have to uh, go through when people don't pay you back. It's annoying. And then sometimes a person asks you, can you lend me, just say $5. Can you lend me $5? Well, you know, they're struggling with $5, so they're probably not going to get enough to pay you back. So you just give it to them if you can, if you want. You just don't lend it. You just say, here, just take it. I don't want it back. It's just a gift. So what about the concept that people spend their money on their wants and then they have their handout for their needs? What do you think about that? Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. very true, you know. And then, you know, some people even get angry with you because you say no, you know, um, that you're not going to lend the money. You know, and I don't mind. I, I will say I'll give people money, but I'm not lending you any money because I just do not want to be, you know, to be in um, involved in that whole transactional mess right there. So that means I'm limited in how much money I can give. Very limited in that. Another okay. way to put it is people buy what they want and beg for what they need. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Okay, let's move on. Unless anybody else had any other comments there. Um, so the next p- paragraph, she's talking about how God has been displeased with uh, Sabbath keepers, because she said they have an avaricious spirit and their desire to get gain is so strong that they've taken advantage of the poor, unfortunate brethren in their distress and have added to their 
own already abundant means while these poor brethren have suffered for the same means. And the question she asks is, am I my brother's keeper? And that's the language of their hearts because they're the question, they're really saying, I'm not my brother's keeper. So I'm not responsible for that. I'm not responsible for them. Um, tell me about that. Are we our brother's keeper? And, 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 and you know, we have uh, benevolent poor funds in the church, but we set these guidelines around and say, okay, if you come and borrow once or you come and borrow so much within a specific period of time, you can't borrow no more. What do you all think about that? You know, if they were in, you know, if people are in bad situations and you know it's a bad situation like a fire or a, um, you know, stuff outside of their basic control, you know, I think we should just give, just give, give, give. You know, that's, that's, I've been reading on generosity this week, this week. It seemed like it keeps popping up in, in the devotions that I was reading. And I just really do want to be, you know, um, more generous. And that's kind of another reason why I don't want to lend money because it makes you want your money back. <laughs> you know, once you give it away, it's gone. And I don't have to babysit it. I don't have to watch it. It's just a done deal and stuff. So, but I, you know, I think we do have to have limits because, you know, because um, not because God is limited, but because we haven't gotten to the place where we're just so generous where we need to be. But um, there has to be limits because we don't want to hurt people. We don't want people to get to a point where they are hurting themselves by lying to us saying, they need this and they really don't need it. Mm. It's just an easy way to get it. And then mm. they're going to be burning a hellfire because, you know, we did not remove the temptation from them and stuff. So, you know, it's a good reason for that. But I also think we have to be flexible enough to say, yeah, this person, you know, their house you no know, burnt up or they were over in the Ukraine situation or whatever it happens, that's not their fault. And we should be willing to go beyond the rules at that point. Which is why it always says there's wisdom and multitude of counsel so that you get together and discuss it with people who know the facts of what's going on. Because, you know, it, you don't want to believe it, but there are church members who just scam the church, too. And we have to be careful because it's not the church's duty to support any of us. You know, the members are to support the church through tithe and offering, but the church yep. is not. Uh, duty bound to support anybody. We all have to go out and work, earn our keep, take care of business, use the talents God gave us. But you do need those rules to prevent people from just taking advantage of the church too. So let me ask a question. Uh, and I hear what you're saying, Lee. It's not our response. It's not the church's responsibility to take care of people. And why do we have poor funds? Why do we have benevolent funds? Why do we um, have, well, before have Sabbath dinner at the church. You do church. those things to assist. You don't do them because you have to, you know, basically take care of people constantly. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, we help out, but it's not the church's duty to support anybody. Well, back when the Christian church first started, I thought it was like whatever we have is our belong to everyone. We They were selling land and bringing it, you know, so everyone can have a, uh, their needs taken care of. I think that's a good point, too. But I think also um, the church in the stage or phase that it was in was, um, you know, the, uh, was very generous and um, very giving. And they split and shared. And the people were honest, you know, at least talking about a different level of people. There were people when we were at Northside, they were going from church to church you know, and they somehow could pick out the right person or they would tell somebody they their lights was getting turned out. So then they start passing envelopes along the benches to along the pews to give to this person. But what I find in that is that people don't make a sacrificial giving. They don't say, okay, I got my tithe and offering, I'm returning that. So I'm going to, and then I'm going to give them some of my spending money. What they do is take some of tithe and offering to give to these people mm. and then, mm. you know, um, and then go on and, and uh, turn in, you know, a lesser amount and stuff. But mm. we do have the poor fund and it's there for the church members. It's not for people to walk in off the streets and say, 
give me $400. You know, that's not what that's for. It's for the church members to who, who may have a hard time or a difficult time to kind of pass by, to, to bridge the gap for them. Okay, I got an example of that. I got an example of that too. When Sister Lewis was at the Unified School, she would let us know that, you know, there was a kid or somebody that needed to get sponsored. And so I ended up sponsoring a kid and come to find out the mother was taking the money that she should have been paying the school and she was getting her van fixed and buying, you know, new van and TVs (laughs) and stuff. And I'm over here sponsoring her child thinking her child, you know, she didn't have the money to keep him in there. And eventually when I, when I got ready to pay one, I guess the, the, the last payment, they, the school ended up telling me, say, you're going to get your money back because she's been lying to several, you know, she's been lying to you this whole time. So what I told them is, you know, I really believed her. I mean, like I said, like I think somebody says, you know, she let me know her situation. You know, she's a single mom or whatever. But I was like, well, you know, you, you really want your kid to stay in the school and they don't want to lose a student. But for her to be that dishonest, you know what I'm saying? She could have just said, I needed my van fixed. That's why I can't pay his tuition or something to me. But she didn't. She hey, let me believe that. Yeah, so I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I got the money back. And so what I did, I said, well, Lord, if I couldn't help her child, let me give it to somebody else's child that was going to the school. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice. That's the real best. Mm-hmm. And we are always have to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. You want to do what's right, but we have to be cautious and be led by the spirit. Um, Alvina brought up a good point. The church has always been very generous and our churches are still very generous today. Uh, We were reading the other day in Acts of the Apostles, the Apostle Paul, he was a tent maker because he didn't want the church to be paying his way. Mm -hmm. You know, they, the church would take up offering and they give it to him to eat or to have a place to live. And he said to them, you know, that's that's fine. I appreciate y'all's generosity, but I don't want anybody thinking that I'm a freeloader, so to speak. And also they had a group of people back then who truly believed, hey, we don't have to work. The church will take care of us. And so these people wouldn't work and they'd come to the church for everything. You know, they wanted the church to support them. And he pointed out to them, no, that's not right. If you want to eat, you need to work. Mm-hmm. All of us have to do what we can. There's some people who get into a, uh, like Lakita said, a temporary situation, something happens. Sure, the church is there to support you and assist you, but the church's duty is not to uh, not for you to lean on for your everyday needs in a constant manner. You need to get a job or you need to find support elsewhere. It's not the church's mm-hmm. duty. And I think that was my question. And this is Thomas Jenkins, by the way. That was my question, my mind is how long do we help? How long do we help somebody out? You know what I mean? Mm. Like you said, it's a temporary situation with a fire, but single mom, two kids, and maybe she can't work that many hours at work because they'll cut off her, her food stamps or her whatever check she get from the government. So how mm. long does the church help somebody out? You That's know? a good question. And I think it would, I really think it should be a case by case basis and not okay. so much of a rigid policy, because what if someone, what if, what if everyone came down with COVID and then the main breadwinner died? And so now you've got the other, the other spouse there who's recovering from COVID. Maybe they have some, you know, some lingering effects from it. How long do you help somebody? Right. And I think it has to be a case by case, um, you know, situation i had a lady uh she didn't does not attend our church she's a member of another denomination and she got sick and her church ended up paying off all of her debts for her oh wow which you know (laughs) i think that's great that's not something i think our church would ever do but they did that for her you know but you know i have a problem when like you said we have a benevolence fund and if a person, let me just say, if a person's kept up with all the other bills, let's just say they gas bill come in. By the time we go through all these committees to vote on whether we're going to help that person, that person most likely, you know, will say, and, and I've been in that situation. I'm like, the last place I'm going is to the church. I said, <laughs> I just waited for my stuff to get cut off because 
<laughs> you know, by the time you go through that process and then you got people that's on the board that don't like you. So you're like, well, just be honest. Am I going to get it? I mean, are you going to help me or not? And I've, I've heard people, you know, in, it, it say, you know what, by the time I wait so long, I just might as well go and take a payday loan and get it t- taken care of and just, you know, go from there. No, don't don't get a payday loan. That makes it worse. You know what? Uh, um, been there, been there, and done that. That's how come I know about them. You know, t- um, mm-hmm. at, at Northside when we was at Northside, <laughs> I don't know why it would have taken that long back in the day when mm-hmm. I was stewardship and Lee was an elder. You know, it was set. You would get, you know, like you can get up to eight hundred dollars every six months to help. You know, you can pay your rent, your car fare food, whatever, you know, they had, that's how it was set up. Now, after the third time, if you had to come back a third time, then you had to talk to the stewardship leader, which was myself and get some counsel, which I would have probably just went over your bills with you to see where, you know, you can cut some things out at, or if you actually had money left over, what, what is actually the problem that's going on? So you can at least be alert to what's happening and stuff. I never really counseled anybody. I was willing to do it and stuff if someone needed it and everything. But um, I thought that Northside had a pretty liberal, you know, um, poor fellow. And, and, and hold on, and hold on. (laughs) And there, I don't know that there was a need for anything. Maybe the finance committee may meet or something like that, but it was already set. Whatever your needs was, all you had to do, all they had to do is look at the amounts like if you needed, you know, we had so much for this and so much for that. And if the amounts was within the boundaries, then there was need, no need for discussion. That's how it was back in the day. So one of the things, too, that we did there at the same thing at Northside, if somebody had a need, we would have we'd have a called a meeting of the finance team, you know, because it is an emergency and you shouldn't be waiting three months. We'd have a called meeting. We'd vote on it. Person would get the check real quick. But uh, like Lakita's saying, if you kept coming back, then obviously you need some other assistance to help you with your finances because you shouldn't just keep making the same mistakes constantly and coming back. Something has to change. So what is put in place, there are organizations out there, there are organizations who will help you with constant bills. They can, uh, what do you call them, case managers, will show you how to get government assistance. They'll help you get but a you job. you know you have to be there a certain are organizations age. that do that. That's not the church's duty. But again, but you, church ain't supposed to just support you on a daily basis. Yeah, but Elder Carol, there's, there's, the guidelines to that, too, is you have to be a certain age. And like I said, one, I think a, uh, a couple of summers ago, I found out when they said, well, what, do you, what is your teacher's uh, pension each month? When, when I told them, they was like, oh, you're now going to qualify for anything. So, you know, <laughs> you just like out there on your own because you retired. But I do know at Northside at one time, because I was on Elder Howard, Paulette Howard's list, they asked us to do the 10 plan where you returned your tithing offering, then you gave 10% more. And that was supposed to be in, in, in the funds to help people that had needed their bills and stuff. And then, I guess, from moving from new pastor to new pastor, all of a sudden the funds came up empty. And there was people that were standing up saying, wait a minute, what happened to all the money that, you know, we were giving? Because I can say, I, I know for a fact we had a business meeting, and Sister Wilson at that time, she was there, and Bunny was there, and I was there. And we uh, we were given every two weeks five hundred dollars, and I think they were doing it. I was doing it every two weeks, you know. Give it, but I think they were doing it every other week. But it it just it just I mean, when Sister Wilson stood up and said, "How can we not have anything in that fund?" We all were shocked, and they was like, "Well, we don't have to tell you we moved the funds." But then. We're like, but that's what you told us it was for, to help some of these people with their gas bills and water bills. And we never knew. I mean, it was so many of us. You know, I guess every elder had to at least get five, and I think they had like 16 people on their list. So, I, you know, I was like, since I was working, I was like, I want to see these people stay in their houses and stuff. But, you know, it was really sad when the fund came up missing. So it's like, 
You don't even know if we have anything that can help someone because we, we never get told how much is in the Beleverance Fund if we have one. You know, that's really sad, Patsy, because we, um, I really, I'm going to tell you, um, being at Northside and being the stewardship leader there was probably this is the best thing to happen for me and also to be under Pastor Polite. Because Pastor Polite, I felt, was a very honest person, a very business-like person. Now, he's not like your, he's not the type of person. I don't think so. I don't think he ever had a favorite. Sometimes the pastors have their favorite picks and stuff. He didn't have a favorite because yeah. he was always sick. He stayed sick, so he didn't have time for anybody. But I would say that he was in those board meetings. Those board meetings were the hour, no longer than an hour and a half. He stuck to an agenda. And Karen was probably one of the best. We worked with Karen as a steward, as the treasurer. Mm-hmm. She was one of the best yeah. treasurers ever. Yeah. Best. And um, yes. I like to think me and Lee was the best stewardship leaders. And Lee was the best, you know, head elder because those one, that team right there kept things straight. You know, in, in the board meetings as a stewardship leader, if they wanted to spend, you know, I, Karen would challenge everybody who was spending money. You only got $15 in your in your account, in your budget, how are you going to take somebody to New York, you know, uh, on whatever kind of thing they had going on? Fundraisers were out because we only want people to be faithful and to return tithe, tithe and offering. But the youth could because they were going to Oshkosh or to something like that. But your other stuff, you couldn't do any extra fundraising and stuff. So, you know, it was it comes down to that leadership and to being honest. But the end, they prospered. Northside always had their total amount for their bills a year ahead. So they were already working on what we allocated was already in the bank. We wasn't allocating stuff that was going to come in. It was in the bank and we based it on what we had in the bank at that time. So if it was low, then the auxiliaries got a little bit of money. But if it was high, they got good money and stuff. So, and, um, you know, I just like the way they did business. It was business. They handled it in a business, godly, organized way. Now, I don't know what happened when we left, you know, and stuff. I'm not responsible for that. And you know what else? Another thing, what's his name? Brother Howard knew how to do that because he was on a team with us. Everybody, it was an open book. Nobody was in the dark on how we did business and how things were done. Everybody knew it and they was participating. Um Drake was in there, brother Drake was his thing. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, all these people was in there. I had to for y'all gotta say, don't call names Lakita, because we on we on live streaming, so I shouldn't be doing that. But everybody knew exactly what was going on on this. So it was not like they didn't know. Uh, I don't know why they chose to do anything differently. And even, you know, this is my last thing. I'm not gonna say anything more for next mm-hmm. week. Okay. But in one more thing too, even when it came down to um, to like just just uh, getting people to stop doing stuff on the pews, we addressed that. We talked to them about that. Don't don't do that because you know we need all the support we could get going towards tithing offering so we could help people when they needed it. The money was there. Patsy brought up a good point though about. If you give money for this project, then it's not supposed to get moved until the church votes on it. You can't just take restricted money and use it for something else. If they said we're putting in money for project ABC, that's where that money has to stay until until it's used by that project or the church comes together and votes as a whole to move it. So that means that. The finance committee only makes recommendations to the board. The board make recommendations to the business meeting. It's a recommendation. They can't come to you and say, oh, we're going to do this. They can't just do nothing. And then the, the business meeting should have discussion. They should be allowed to have a say in what's going to happen. And then there is a vote taken. So it's not about somebody just deciding what they're going to do. And mm-hmm. oh, one more thing about that, too. Northside was completely out of debt when we left there. They didn't have any debt. That mortgage was paid off. Everything was paid off. 
Now, I understand once we left, they decided to go ahead instead of work, working a program, <laughs> instead of doing that, they decided to vote to get a loan and get back in debt. So then but you know, it's all up to the church members. Like Karen, you had mentioned earlier, why do we have rules and regulations, so to speak, for that very reason? Because no one person has all the authority in the church. It's the church as a whole has the authority. So you have rules. I like to say boundaries uh, and, and uh, borders to let you know you can go this far, but no farther. This is how you process this situation. That way, everybody's treated fairly. What, with the uh, poor fund, we never knew who was asking for funds. It was always anonymous. Nobody knew except the one person who took the request. Everybody else was just voting on the situation as far as we knew. So you want to keep stuff like that anonymous so that it is fair. Mm -hmm. and one, That's and the way it was when you were there. And, here's one, <laughs> and, and Patsy, we started 1010. Uh, our team started 1010. But I never, ever called anybody to ask them to pay 1010 no, to return 1010. You know, uh, offering is, you know, that's your relationship with God. That's between you and God. He asked us to return tithe. Offering has to be what you desire to do from the heart because you, you know, feel thankfulness and how, you know, how the Lord leads you in your relationship with him. And that's what- But I think that was a good program, the 1010, where they, you know, they, they, they asked saints and, and the one, and, you know, if we were on their list, I just think it was a good program. I think it's a great program. And I'm, I'd like to, I haven't really said that to uh, Top Tabernacle Praise, but I think it's a good, it, you know, the, re, the point for me is we should be growing in all areas of our life. That's all, you know, not to, that everybody have to do the same thing, but just, you know, don't think of it as static that I give, you know, 10% and 50 cents for the rest of my life. No, I give 10% and 50 cents and then 10% and a dollar. And we're growing in Christ as we learn to trust him, we learn to give more. That's, that was Amen. my point. Amen. Okay. Lots All right. of conversation about that, right? Huh? <laughs> yes. Lots of conversation about that. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Getting back to our study. Oh, I, I want to say for Thomas's point, he asked how long should the church help somebody? Okay. You had, and you mentioned too, Karen, you have to look at each case, but you follow the guidelines that are set forth in your church um, policy. And then case by case, you make a decision if it goes any farther. But again, not the church's duty to support the members, not on a long-term basis. Okay. Uh, and then she, in this next, or actually it's probably the last paragraph at the top, she talks about how, and I think we, this was brought up already in our, in our, in our discussing about this chapter, that um, she's talking about poor brethren who are in danger of losing their souls through the wrong impression. And basically they were expecting to be favored when it was their duty to rely upon their own energies. And had they been favored, it would have been the worst thing that could have been done for them. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and, and Lee, I think you were the one that kind of mentioned this is that, you know, you got to work. Um, and instead of uh, uh, the poor, the ones that are poor coming and feeling like they can always get a handout at the church, um, they need to work if they, if at all possible. Um, and so but she was saying that they just had a wrong impression about some of the poor ones had a wrong impression about that. And that they should just be given and given and given and given and given and given whenever they have their hand out and not have to work, I guess. Um, and she said that um, some who lack judgment and wisdom have taken their own course, being unwilling to ask advice or to follow it. And so they've had to suffer as the result of their, their calculations or their wrong uh, uh, um, thinking and, she said, yet these same ones would feel that they should be favored by their brethren who do have means and do have property. And she said, these things need to be corrected. Uh, and and I, I can imagine there are situations where, where people are given and given and given and given in some churches or in some situations, um, and they don't really 
you know, learn anything from it. They don't really learn from their situations. They don't really feel like they need to go out and work. They can just beg for it. As you said, they beg for, for their needs. You know, I think to adding to that where it says um, in that verse you're reading, people have gone out on their own course, unwilling to ask for advice or follow advice, making their own miserable calculation. These things need to be corrected, which again is why we had after a couple of times, you need to speak to the stewardship director to try and get some financial advice to help you. Nobody wants to stay poor. I mean, if you want to stay poor, you got the wrong attitude to begin with. So you should be willing to listen to people who have experience, people who have knowledge, because if you keep doing the same thing, it's only going to keep you where you currently are. So you have to be willing to listen to sound advice and say, well, what I've been doing ain't working. Let me try this and see if I can do better. Some people took advice and, and ran with it and were really blessed. And then the other people who refused advice was constantly coming to the church or what more than likely what ended up happening, they would leave because they felt like the church ain't uh, kind and loving because they're not taking care of their needs. So mm. they end up leaving and going elsewhere. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've kind of heard that before from some people that just felt like whenever they asked the church should give, and, uh, no, I don't think so. I just don't think so. I think we we just don't want to, you know. I know I don't sound very merciful when I talk, but not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, you know, I've been watching people for a long time, and we have misguided mercy, you know, and that is it, it's, it makes you feel good on the inside to do. So, this. so wait a minute, wait a minute. Unpack that. What is uh, what is misguided mercy? You know, it's just what we're talking about. It's when we're giving to people and we're giving in uh, in such a way that it actually hurts. It doesn't help. It hurts mm -hmm. them, you know, so that when we aren't like um, holding them responsible for, you know, for their own livelihood, for example, you know, uh, I need I need this, you know, I need, I need some new shoes and stuff. And you say to them, oh, you know, you can pay soon, right? Now I quit my job. Why you quit your job? I was tired of getting up early in the morning. Okay, this person needs to sit with this decision for a minute. They mm. just need to kind of have a little something because so they won't be so quick to jump up and leave a job because they're uncomfortable. You know, we have to sometimes stay in situations that we don't like until the Lord opens a way for us to be moved and not extricate ourselves and hurt ourselves, you know, and stuff. So, you know, this misguided mercy that a lot of people have, therapists have it. You know, um, I was speaking to someone and they were like, the therapist told me that if my child have rules over here at home, they should have them at school, they should have them over at granny house, ain't nobody doing all that work for your kid, right? That's mm. not going to, I said, I completely disagree with that. I said, you know, he's going to figure out that he can do some things at the playground that he can't do in the grocery store. I said, mm. and he's just got to figure it out. I said, so in the way he's going to figure it out is by you helping him to figure that out. So we are getting into a place where everybody else is responsible for somebody's stuff. And people are just learning from childhood. They're not responsible. Somebody else got to take care of them. So it's called misguided mercy. And, and it keeps people in bondage in this poverty mentality, you know, in sickness. And it's not healthy. It's not good. It's like, you know, it's like on occasion, too, there were two funds, I think Patsy had mentioned them both, the benevolent fund and the poor fund. And I believe the benevolent fund was to assist church members with finance, financial issues. The poor fund was non-church members because wouldn't it be something if the church members are being faithful, putting money into the fund and then non-members use up all the funds. And then when a church member needs help, there's none there. So there was two funds. One was for church members. One was for non-church members because you know you want well, you, you want to appreciate your members for being faithful and participating and being a blessing to the church as a whole in various ways so you do want to help them when they need help so you don't want to just give out all the money to everybody else and then you don't have anything left for your faithful members when they need assistance hmm. yes and i i i think that's a good practice to have two funds like that. 
But um, I don't know if, I mean, sometimes the, uh, the, the, the rules placed on the two different funds are different. Do you think the rules should be the same? No, they should be different. I think you should be more liberal with your own people because, yeah. you know, they, they there, you trust them, you love them. You know, I'm going to be nice, I hate to say it, to my grandchildren than I am going to be to the kid across the street. I'm going to be nice to that child, but it's not the same. I'm not going to make them matching clothes. I'm not going to take them to the zoo. You know, I'm not going to do a whole bunch of things with those kids that I'm going to do with my grandkids. So I think that, you know, yes, we should support um, our, our church members to the best of our abilities. We should say thank you to our church members, you know, when we get an opportunity to. We should just, you know, that's we should really love each other, love our church members and stuff and trust them you know so don't be like oh we giving her ten dollars and you know she had no 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 that's you know that stuff bring curses on the church i believe i do believe that you know i I know someone working and their hours got cut you know at work but they kept right on working and they kept trying to you know pick up a second and third job and when they when their electricity i get gas was going to get cut off the church just plainly told them, uh, well, we'll have to, you know, ha- have a meeting and all that. And I'm like, this person is really working and doing the best they can. Can we just get, you know, and they brought the little disconnect notice or whatever. And it wasn't that they hadn't been paying on it. They had been paying, but the church did nothing for that individual. And that person said they would never ask the church for anything. <laughs> and they went, like they said, like, lead, like the Elder Carroll said, they did go to the other foundations and stuff, and they, you know, they tried to assist them. But, you know, it was just sad to know that Northside, their home church, gave them such a hassle that they went to someone else. And, you know, and, and, and that, you know, maybe that organization didn't pay at all, but they paid enough to make sure that they didn't get it disconnected. And I thought that's all Northside could have done was just saying, we're going to give you so much on it. You know, so they'll, you know, they'll make sure they don't disconnect if they wanted, you know, half of it or whatever. But that individual, they worked hard. That's good. Now, I know I have done that for people before they have come and I've actually called the utility and told them, hey, this is uh, Brother Carol from the church and we're going to send a check to take care of it. Please don't cut them off. And that really does help a person out. Uh, Karen, to answer your question, should there be two different a uh, set of regulations or procedures, rather, different procedures. You only have to look back to the uh, top of this chapter where the Lord says, don't charge your brother usury, but you can charge a stranger usury. There is a difference. Okay. Okay. All right. So so as Lakita said, uh, just kind of piggybacking on that, Lakita's saying that you know your brethren. And so you should be more lenient towards your brethren than towards a stranger. You can show them a stranger's a crisis love. You can bring them into the knowledge of who Christ is. Why are you showing them love? Yes, you can. I agree with that. You know what? So they're not going to know the difference. They just coming in asking for us. They don't know that you gave, you know, more to the church. Yeah. Right. They don't know what your policies right. and procedures are, you know, and stuff. Right. And they will feel the love of God, you know, in whatever you do for them. I believe that. Okay. There's going to be differences between how, how people are treated. It's just going to happen. Just think about it. Those who love the Lord are going to go to heaven. Those who don't, not going to heaven. Everybody don't get the same reward. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't get treated mm-hmm. the same. So your church members, again, faithfully working with you, participating, going on outreach, participating uh, with tithe and offering, being on different boards, being in different projects. Yeah, you're going to treat them better, which is why Lakita is always trying to push for uh, member appreciation day, not just pastor appreciation, member appreciation day. Everybody should be shown some appreciation. Hmm. And I got, that from, I got that from Pastor Polite. He was the one who I, you know, really appreciated his wisdom in doing that, you know, and do it right. You know, don't just do some. His idea was anybody who ever did anything from the church, if they were two years old, way back then, 50 years ago, 
give them an acknowledgement of what for what they've done, you know. And I think we really need to be about doing that. Hmm. It makes a difference when people say thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, finish up on this chapter, and then I have the questions that I've been asking at the end of every chapter. Um, and, and, in the last paragraph, she's talking about how the poor view the wealthy, but also how the wealthy view the poor and kind of lump them all into the same. So the poor lump all the rich into the same class, and then the wealthy lump all the poor into the same class. But she says that the poor don't understand sometimes the responsibilities that are resting upon the wealthy, and nor the perplexity and cares that they're compelled to have because of their means. On the other hand, she says that um, the wealthy often regard all the poor in the same light when there are some, like uh, one of you was mentioning, there are some, like I think Patsy was mentioning, in the class of poor who are doing the best they can to glorify God, to do good, to live for the truth, to work if they're able to or whatever. And these, she said these persons are of solid worth. Their judgment is good. Their spirit is precious in the sight of God. And the amount of good which they accomplish in their unpretending way is tenfold greater than that accomplished by the wealthy, although the latter may give large sums on certain occasions. And she says, in this situation, the rich fail to see and realize the necessity of doing good, of being rich in good works and ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So there's a lesson in, 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 that, in this chapter for the rich and the poor. Um, let me go get to my questions and I'm just going to throw the questions out there. I'm going to call on somebody to do it. Uh, okay. All right. So let me see who am I going to call on? Um, and if, if, if you want to defer this question to someone else, you can just, you know, call on someone else if you don't feel comfortable asking it. Um, okay, so Alvina, what do you think was the point of this uh, chapter? The point of the chapter is uh, God wants us to, to not charge our brothers and sisters extra fees and just do what is uh what is fair, what he calls us to do. Just be obedient and to be fair. Okay. Someone else can add. Okay. Anyone else want to add to that point? Or you good to have mercy and grace on each other, I think. Okay. For each other. Okay. All right. So 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 Thomas, since you since you piped up to answer, what do you think is the principle of living that we're supposed to take from this chapter? The principle of living that we're supposed to take from this chapter. Mm-hmm. In other words, how do we incorporate what we've learned in this chapter into our lives? What is the principle, the basic principle here? Right, right. right. I, I think just uh, be mindful of how you treat other people, how you view other people. You know, uh, I, I think that as Paul says in church sometimes, that's just saying that people need to pick themselves up from their bootstraps. Sometimes everybody can't do that, you know? So would you say, so would you say that when people come to us with their handout asking to to for a loan, if we are able, that's something that we should do. <laughs> I had this uh, conversation with a woman who goes to a Sunday church several times. Um, the, the church is not a bank, right? I, I, think, we, I think we know that, right? The church right. is not so a bank. Right, so we're talking we're individual. We're everybody alone. We're talking individual. Oh, okay, okay. Right. What should we, okay. as, what, what principle do we apply from this chapter into our lives? Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think a case-by-case basis. I think, yeah, I, I, think, I think if a member of the church come and, and they say, hey, I, I need some money, I think we should do it. I just think that. Yeah. Now, again, how long? It should be a case-by-case basis. Okay. Uh, probably the best answer I probably can, can, can give you. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. I, I know some male church churches may want to look at your tithing offering and how this person been, been tithing. You know what I mean? Mm. Get this person, uh, person his money in and they ain't been tithing at all, you know? 
Hmm. I don't think they should go by that. Hmm. Well, now that's an interesting <laughs> point, though, because yeah, yeah, yeah. because if we honor God with our tithe and offering, aren't we going to hmm. be blessed? And if we yeah. don't, aren't yeah. we going to be cursed? So if we're not returning a faithful tithe and offering, and we find ourselves in a deficient, cursed situation, then what? Hmm. Yeah. Something to think about. Now, you know, that kind of reminds me that I heard about uh, several people have done this. You know, a person puts money into tithe and offering, and maybe they put in over the time period a thousand dollars, and they come back to the church and say, Hey, I need that thousand dollars back. (laughs) You know, I got a bill to pay. I need that thousand dollars back. It's not your money anymore. You gave mm-hmm. that to the Lord. So mm-hmm. as Thomas mentioned very adequately, the church is not a bank. We're not holding on to your savings for you. You mm-hmm. gave it to the Lord and that's what it's going to be used for. Oh, and speaking of, yes, we do. I think we actually did take a look at the faithfulness of the person who is asking for the money. Okay. I, I mean, I know I didn't do it. Well, if that person's really in need, well, nah, you ain't been turning your time off and- I mean, you know, you can't play God. If they have a need. They well, women, but we didn't say if we said we said yes or no, but that did. That was a factor. I mean, you got to think about it, Alvina. You put $2 million into the bank. Somebody else don't put anything in the bank. And they come to the bank and say, I need $100,000. And the bank said, oh, okay. You've never banked with us and, and we don't know anything about you. And you come and say, I need 100000 Well, we know that you it took you three or four years to get this two million dollars in here. So we're gonna give you only twenty thousand. You know, it, it just really does come down to your behavior has something to do with it. And I don't know what we did. I, I don't know if it was just discussion, but um I think it should be looked at personally. I, I my, my point is my point is simply is that if you're returning a faithful tithe and offering, God will bless you. And if you're not. You won't be, you'll be cursed, period. Yeah, but see, that plays into some more questions then. It's like, so then, <laughs> are we giving God's money? you saying I can't have no money. They're going to be like, so you saying I can't get nothing. We're going to be saying, are you saying you didn't put no money in church? <laughs> you know, I'm just, no. It, I don't think it should I, be based I, I, I think, on I if think, you. I think, I think it bears some counseling because you, you all were saying that by the third time someone asks, it bears counseling. And I think one of the topics of counseling would be, um, have you been working? And we look and see that, okay, you were working over this period of time, but you haven't been returning a faithful tithe and offering. Do you realize that that's part of the reason why you're in the circum- financial circumstance that you're in? Because God will, God will put a hole in your pocket when you're not returning a faithful tithe and offering. I just it think sounds, it's something that that could be discussed in counseling with the person. And it sounds like you're being mean, because that's kind of what I think I'm hearing from you guys. It sounds like yeah. you're being mean. But think about this, you guys. The Bible says, will a man rob God? Now, some people say tithe and offering is not salvific. But when God says, will a man rob God? It's right there in the Ten Commandments. Thou should not steal. And if you're going to steal, if you're going to... If God don't want you to steal from your fellow man, he definitely don't want you stealing from him. So now mm-hmm. this question is more than about, you know, is, is this, you know, if you pay tithe and offering, should you get money? If that sounds mean, but at the same time, is that's what I'm talking about, misguided mercy. You're not looking at the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. so here this person is, and if you dare, I don't think I would even think in my mind, uh, Karen, to bring up the fact that you are cursed with a curse because well, you're not returning. I mean, I wouldn't think of it, thing. but you should. Here's the thing. Look. We may look at it as a financial situation when it may be actually a spiritual conundrum. You know what I'm saying? A spiritual situation as to why they are in the circumstances that they're in. Mm-hmm. Karen, yes, Karen, it is spiritual. It's definitely spiritual. You know, how we spend our money is God is concerned with how we manage the, the gifts that he gives us and stuff. So, you know, we don't want people to be comfortable on their way to hell. We just don't want that. I don't want to be comfortable on my way to hell. You know, David says, Lord, um, uh, try me, you know, and 
Uh, show me. So he wants to know what he's made of so he can get it right. We don't want to just be going to, you know, we lie to gathering down, down the, um, down the um, waterway on a nice yacht. And we on the, at the end of that, yeah, at the end of that trip is hell. We don't want that. Right. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask for the application. Uh, I'm going to ask application from Lee. Lee, how do we apply this chapter to our lives? Uh, I'm going to defer to, <laughs> let's see, who can I defer to? Patsy. Okay. I think we can apply this in knowing that if God has provided us with the abundancy and our brothers and sisters, we see that's in need. I don't think we can take and turn our, our, our turn away from it. Like I think Alvina said, if you have that spare, God gave you that spare for a reason. And if you can't help a brother and sister when they're down to help bring them up, then why are you asking God for a financial blessing for yourself? Because you're being selfish and God is not selfish. Mm. Now you may not be able to help that person giving them money. Maybe you can get some food, you know, and take them food or, you know, take them to a doctor's appointment without charging them anything. But I think it's to the point that if we allow our hearts as Christians become wax cold and say, well, that ain't my problem. She shouldn't have been in that situation. Don't look at it as she's in that situation. Because God said what you have done to one, the, uh, the least of them you've done to me. So I don't mm. think we, and, and, and I think of the homeless when I see them on the, on the with, uh, as far as application. People say, uh, I, I will stop and give them nothing. I always stop. I don't care if it's my last four quarters. It's not about what I think that they should do with it. It's that they're out there. They're my brother and sister. I give it and I say, may God help them that they will use it in the way that he would want them to use it. Mm. So that's, that's, that's my comment. Okay. Amen. Okay. All right. Uh, and then Paula, if you're there, I'm going to ask you to, uh, what is the prayer that we should pray? And with that, I'm going to ask you to pray us out. What is the prayer that we should pray behind this chapter? And then just pray us on out for today. Wait a minute though, before we go, I want to add to what Pessy said. Okay. Okay, I'm going to take away from this, listen, we have to use discernment. We do have to be merciful and kind. You know, the church members deserve to be treated with the utmost of love and respect. And I like what Thomas said, to be merciful to each other. And, and I like for all of us to think about, there's two sides to that coin called mercy. God is mercy. We're going to say to whom God loves, he chastises. Sometimes mm-hmm. God set us up in situations so that we can get better. And I'm going to share a little testimony about a family member was coming to me, asking me for money. And meanwhile, I was praying about a situation they were in. And the Holy Spirit says, now, if you give her money, I'm trying to get her attention. And if you give her money and take her all this situation, then I'm going to have to touch your money so Ooh. she can come to you. So nice. then, you know, when, then I go by, my mom's house and and they're taking getting money from my mom and the lord told me the same thing if your mom comes to you because i'm closing her money off so that i can reach this person that you're praying for then i'm going to have to cut your money off too so Mm. that i can because closing it down because he needs this person's attention because he loves them so you know there's two coins to that mercy that mercy coin, we have to ask God for discernment that we do not use mercy in a way that is harmful to the person next to us. Mercy. It's my comment. Mm. All right. Very good comment. Very good comment. Uh, we have to be listening to the Lord and we should be listening to the Lord in everything that we do. Um, and that's, that's the bottom line here is that, um, we can never go wrong if we're following the Lord's leading. Uh, Paula, would you go ahead and pray us out and the, uh, pray uh, yeah, over the What? Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Paula. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, learn um, 
from your prophet, Lord. Please open our hearts and our minds that we know what to do with the blessings that you give us, Father God. And um, let us act according to how you acted, how you reached out to the poor and help others without judgment, without uh and also guided them to truth. You spoke to their spirit as well as tended to their physical. I pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and that we'll yield, yield our wills to him. Uh, forgive us for our sins. Thank you for everything that you have given. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 Um, Lee, where are we next week? Okay, we're in the book Christian Service by Sister White. And we're in chapter one in the sub subparagraph or the sub chapter, I guess you called is a call to the individual. Mm. And we're on paragraph 11.4. Okay. Chapter one, a call to the individual, paragraph 11.4. And it starts out, those who have united with the Lord. Okay, so chapter one. And sub subheading what? Sub chapter, a call to the individual. Okay. Paragraph 11.4. And it starts okay. out those who have united with the Lord. Okay. All right. Everybody got that for next week? All right. Uh, we can go off live now.